Children, if you're uh, under age 12, you can head back to Camp Pointway. They've got a program back there. As PJ mentioned, she's got a lesson, and I think there's one for the younger kids as well. So, How are we doing this morning? Good? It's good. It's good to hear. There's a lot, a lot going on in our church family this morning. And have you ever had one of those mornings where it feels like you're in the middle of the highway and everything's coming at you 100 miles an hour in different directions? So, well, if not, that's how your pastor feels this morning a little bit. But um, again, it's good that we come together and worship and it helps us to, to kind of focus, right? It brings us to that point of focusing on God this morning because he's the one that's important. He's the one that we need. And so I appreciate the music and prayer time and all that we do here at Pointway and the family coming together. In case you didn't know, I know it's hard to believe, but Easter is coming. Actually, next Sunday will be Palm Sunday and then Easter. And it, For me, I mean, it comes every year, and I know this, and it's on my calendar, but man, as I flipped my calendar into April, I was like, <gasps> it's coming up quick, right? And as we've been preparing for that and, and looking forward to that, you know, we have a, a Good Friday service, a sunrise service, and then a regular service. And again, that's kind of a special moment when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And certainly, it's one of those days that we enjoy coming together. And there's so much going on during that time. But man, it seems to be coming quick this year. And one of the things that I was hoping to do as we finished up with First Peter, we were getting to that point of let's take a look at Jesus's life and ministry. And so with only a couple of weeks, it was kind of hard to, to pull that together. But I went back to the Sermon on the Mount, right? Those, those three important chapters in Matthew. Uh, that's where we're headed this morning, Matthew chapter 7. If you were here last week, we did chapter 6. And uh, again, I I felt bad as I looked back to, you know, we, we breezed through, right? We went through it really quick last week. Um, and I was counting on you uh, to marinate on a little bit, to go back and study it for yourselves. Because there was a lot there. We didn't dig deep in a lot of areas. But there's a lot to cover. Well, I'm going to ask the same thing this week. Take chapter 7 this week and kind of marinate on it a little bit. Work on it a little bit. Um, because when Jesus teaches... He teaches on multiple levels, right? And we can, we can do the flyover and we can get one teaching the basics and that's good. And sometimes it goes a little bit deeper, right? And he starts working on us and our hearts and things kind of pop out at us, right? And the whole message, I know there's, there's segments and we each take a piece from it. And sometimes when we take that one piece and we, we really work on it and we let God do that work, in that process, he reveals something else, there's something that was hidden behind the other thing, and I couldn't see it because I hadn't let God work on that first thing. And so I would encourage you to do the same thing this morning. Is we're going to whip through a bunch of other of Jesus' teaching in chapter 7. Again, we're going to use Matthew, and Matthew is a, an interesting um, <clears throat> person to be writing because if you remember, <clears throat> Matthew's job was a tax collector. And uh, with April and Easter is also tax season, in case you didn't know that either. You've got a few more weeks, but you might want to get that done. But uh, tax collectors were not well thought of. They were despised by their own people, despised by their family, and they quite often would acquire wealth, but they had to do it by exhorting money from other people. 
So the Romans would say, hey, you need to collect, say, $100. Okay? So Matthew would be the one that would be collecting that. But in order for him to make a living, quite often he would collect 110 or 125 or depending on how corrupt he was, he would add on to that because that's how he made his money and made his living. So they were not well thought of. And again, he represented the Roman government, which was a constant reminder that they were under captivity. And so God does this work. Jesus does this work in his life, and he becomes one of his 12 disciples. It's a great restoration story all in and of itself. But Matthew goes back in time around 50 A.D. after Jesus had passed away and goes back and he writes the gospel as one who was there with Jesus. He was there firsthand. He listened to this sermon that he printed for us so that we can have it. And because it was early on, it's listed in most of our Bibles as the first gospel. Also, Matthew was a Jew. He makes no apology for that. A Jew, he's writing to Jewish believers, and so he writes that with that in mind. And so it comes off as a Jewish believer, one who knows Jesus, to other Jewish believers. And so some of the illustrations and some of the details, we have to kind of put ourselves in that mindset as well when we look at it. So that's just a little bit of the background. I like to give that to you because, again, background helps us understand context. And context is key for understanding. All right, let's start with chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I think without a doubt, this may be one of the most misquoted or misinterpreted scriptures, right? Has anyone ever heard, do not judge? Yeah, right? And usually when someone says that to you, they're trying to justify a sin in their life or a problem in their life. They're trying to, and they're like, well, you can't judge me, right? You may have pointed something out, hey, that's, that's wrong. You know, biblically, that's a problem. Don't judge me, right? They love to throw up. It's a, it's a great defense. Sadly and unfortunately, many people don't even know the context. They wouldn't know even know where to find it, but they've grabbed that first part of that verse and they use it, right? It's an instant wall. Don't question me, right? Don't judge me. But in context, right, and if you were here again, like I said last week, we kept looking at the context of the fact that Jesus was saying, hey, it's the heart motivation, right? And remember, there was a lot of hypocrites in that day, and a lot of times even good things. We talked about prayer. We talked about fasting, helping not, right? But if our motivation is wrong, we do it for the wrong reasons, or we do it and we're not doing it for God, we do it wrongly. These verses are the same, right? God's not saying we don't make judgments, right? Many of you made judgments this morning in getting here, I'm sure, right? Whether to walk or take the car, whether what you're wearing, right? Where you're going to sit, right? You, you, you make judgments all the time. But how we judge is important, right? Our motivation. And again, how we look at others and judge them, we have to watch our heart, right? Because if we judge them critically or not with the right spirit or with the right heart, or we judge them quite often quickly, we're in trouble, we're in danger. Remember, Jesus even said the same thing about forgiveness, right? If we don't forgive, then we won't be forgiven. So again, it's about the heart. 
It's about the relationship. It's about what you are judging and how we do it. All right, that's just one piece. I love this next section. This next one's one of my favorites. It's an illustration, and, and I love it. But verse 3 says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First, take out the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see, clear, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. All right, illustration. And again, I'm a wood guy, so I can get this. Where's Tony Binda? Tony, I need some help. You want to come up here for a minute? Tony's a wood guy too, so I knew I could count on him, but I just so happen to have a little plank up here, right? Now, this plank, it's a small one, right? Because I'm getting old, I don't want to carry a big one in here, but a plank is a, a big piece of wood. How big do you think a piece of sawdust is? It's a speck, it says, right? It's pretty small, right? Tony, you don't get to hold the plank. I get to hold the plank, all right? But you got a, a speck of sawdust. And the illustration is, obviously, is that we have a plank in our eye, right? We can't see because there's something here. And you know what? When a plank is this close, I can't even see half of you. In fact, I've lost the middle row. I can only see the sides a little bit, right? Now, if, imagine if Tony has a speck of sawdust in his eye and I'm trying to find it, right? What's going to happen? Right? I've been waiting to do that for so long. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. My motivation's not right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? But isn't it true? We can't see, right? We can't see clearly. The only way I can help Tony is to get this out of my way, right? Right? And this becomes bigger than life in many ways, right? And so this usually is very similar to the speck that's in Tony's eye, but guess what? This is so big in me. This is like, hey, I got to fix Tony, right? I got to do this right now. Let me, let me quickly, and, and I want to give him a beating with this long before I ever get the speck out, Right? I'm going to beat him up. I'm not going to be cracking. And I'm not going to be any help to Tony. It's not going to help him, right? No, he's going to get whopped. So, no, let's get here. You can have your parting gift. Thank you. Give him a hand for, for stepping up. So. Some of you will remember that illustration. But, but think about it in relationship, right? Right? We quite often see something in someone else that it bugs us. It really gnaws at us. And if we could take a step back, it's because it's either something that we've been tempted in the past or it's something that it really kind of, it's one of those areas that grinds on us, right? It irritates us. And so we don't see clearly. We're not able to help that person because, again, we have that in our own eyes. I remember this illustration. I was working in a warehouse and I had a guy that smoked for years and years and he finally gave up smoking. Right? And I'm not, not sure he was a believer, but it was an interesting illustration for me. But he finally gave out smoking, right? All of a sudden, anyone else that had a cigarette was evil. I mean, he hated them. I mean, he was like, you know, he wanted to rip the cigarettes out, crush them. Now, if I had done that two months before he had given up smoking, yeah, I'd probably be in the back of the warehouse somewhere laid out, right? And it's really, it's just, it's, it's amazing when sometimes that thing that you used to do or you have that temptation for, how hard it bothers you. Now, I always say this illustration, though, comes with part of it, right? As believers, quite often, we'll, we will. We'll, we'll self-evaluate. We'll take a look at sometimes, and, and we will get that plank out of our eyes. But the problem is we never 
out of that spot, go back and help the brother with a speck. It's a reminder. We never complete the whole circle quite often. Now, I'm not saying all the time, but quite often, and it's a reminder for me, that we do need to go back and help that brother or sister. You know, my friend in the warehouse there, if he could have come around the corner, instead of ripping cigarettes out of hand, if he could have walked alongside them and said, hey, I know the struggle. I know what it's like to be addicted to cigarettes, and hey, let me help you. Maybe I can encourage you. That's how we should approach our brothers and sisters, right? When something is wrong, we see something that we can help them with, right? And Jesus lays it out there, right? He says, you hypocrite. And again, that's been a lot of the theme through all of this, right? Not being a hypocrite, being true. Like I said, there's a lot more. I've actually done a whole sermon on just those three verses, but I'm, I'm skipping a lot just to keep going this morning because I want to just whet your appetite, hopefully, for the Gospel of Matthew again. Verse 6, and again, there's a separation here. This is part of the same teaching, but it's a, a, another thought here as he moves on. He says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet, and turn and tear you to pieces. Uh, this is another one of those passages that quite often gets picked apart and, and used um, incorrectly. Now again, I mentioned Matthew is a Jewish believer, and he's writing this to Jews, right? So pigs are still under the law, under the Old Testament, are unclean, right? And the dog they're talking about here, we're not, we're not talking about Foofy here, or a little you know, Spot, or in our case, Bella. We're not talking about that type of dog, right? Think of more of like coyotes, right? They're wild. They're, they're, they're looking for something to devour or eat, right? Different mindset here, right? I don't want to offend any dog owners in here. I think I offended cat owners last week, so we'll work on dog owners this week and keep it balanced, right? What he's talking about here, though, is be careful what you give your heart to, right? Be careful how you spend your time, right? The people you invest in, right? This kind of goes back to that same thought, and I mentioned it again to the the men yesterday morning as we, we met, right? If we expect unbelievers to act like believers, we're going to be disappointed every time, Right? It just, it just, they can't. It's not within them. You know, we, we sang about the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit does a lot of work in us. It's the, if we allow it. And so that's the, the caution here. That's the, the, the warning that Jesus is giving. Again, we have to be careful. Again, tie that with the judging. We have to be careful that we don't do it out with the wrong motives. Verse 7. He said, we have a lot to go through this morning, so take a look. This next section is about more about prayer. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. All right? You know, let's just pause right there in the middle. Joe, I think this kind of went with what your prayer focus was, right? This morning, sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make sense, right? Uh, I'm not jumping out of any planes anytime soon. 
I'd want to really make sure that God's asking me to do that. But God does ask us to do quite often things. And again, it's that relationship that we have with him, right? And it's not wrong in prayer to ask God for things. It's not wrong. But our motivation, how we ask, how we pursue those things does matter. It's a prayer with motivation in mind, right? But God does answer our prayers, right? God answers our prayers. Yes, no, and the hardest, I think, is wait, right? He always answers one of those three things. A few years ago, I um, can't even think of his name now, wrote Purpose Driven. What was his Huh? No, not Max. It was another famous guy. Saddleback out in California, big church. Rick Warren. Rick Warren. There we go. Come on, you guys got to help me out here a little bit. Rick Warren said there was a fourth. And the fourth one was, I can't believe God you even asked out of three answers, right? But that's yes, no, and wait. Out of three answers to prayer. And God wants us to ask. But we have to ask with the right motivation. We also have to ask with God in mind. Right? He's going to answer the prayer how he knows that we need it. And I can say that because verse 9 and 10 follow that up. It says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Right? How much more, right? God knows exactly what we need. Sometimes the best thing God can do to us is say no. As hard as that is, we say, God, why? Why? I, I really need this. And, and God says, no, because he's got something better for us. Or that may cause us harm. It'll take us further away. And again, we don't always understand it because we don't always have the mind of God. But God knows best, and we can rest in that. Verse 12 here, again, he's speaking to a crowd, as I remind you, it's a, a, not only his disciples, but also the people watching as well. And it says, so in everything, do to others what, they would have them, what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And I will think verse 12 kind of be pulled out because it's kind of a, a bridge between the, the next sections. But again, this is all written at once and was given all at once. So it says, so in everything you do, do to others as you'd have them do to you, right? So, thankfully, when I hit Tony, he didn't hit me back with the same stick. No. Right? Does that sound familiar, that, 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 that verse? We used to call it the, the golden rule, right? You know, you that have been in Sunday school, remember that, right? And interestingly, he even says it sums up the law and the prophets, right? Because it includes, if you follow that verse, really, it includes the Ten Commandments. Think about it. Think about the Ten Commandments. Think about the, 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 the law, right? All those things. If, if I love others, I love myself, I'm not going to do those things, right? If I love God first, I'm not going to steal from my brother. I'm not going to slander. I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to do those things, right? So again, it all sums it up and brings it together. 
And again, it gets back down to motivation. All right, moving, moving forward. Enter through the narrow gate, for, the, the wide, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. It's one of those rare verses that the majority is not always correct, right? All roads don't lead to heaven. I mean, if you came here this morning thinking that, right, everybody does not go to heaven. You can't be a Muslim and believe in Islam and say you're going to heaven. You can't believe in Buddha, right? All roads do not lead to heaven. It's narrow. It's a divider. It's very small. It only goes through Jesus Christ. Again, we're celebrating Easter for that very purpose, right? That's our means of salvation. So it's a pretty narrow, right? We also, again, the majority, there's a lot of folks out there that believe that everyone should go. But only a few walk through that small gate. So if you're in the minority this morning, you're in good company. It's okay. Again, it's talking about eternal salvation, right? It leads to life. And sadly, only a few find it, right? Not everybody knows Jesus. Our job is to tell more and more, but again, even that's going to be a narrow, right? So many hear it, but don't accept it. So again, talking about salvation here and the, the way through Jesus Christ. Again, he's preparing them for what's yet to come. Then it comes with a warning, Right? Because again, as I said, the, the road is narrow. It's, it's not the majority. It's going to be a small few that go through that small gate. Verse 15 says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Things out there that Saying you got to watch out. There is teaching out there. There is many teachings out there that would say that, like I said, I just mentioned, like all roads lead to heaven, like everyone can go, right? Whether you believe in Buddha or Hindu or whatever religion, they, they all lead to the same place, right? They're all the same God. That's false. That's not true. Interestingly, as as you watch, you know, quite often it, it sadly becomes here, at least in the Western culture, you see someone that becomes very popular, right? And they, they have the, the, the mega churches and lots of followers. And again, over time, things sometimes get revealed, right? Things were not right. They fall apart. They weren't who they said they were. They were teaching incorrectly or leading people astray. Jesus had that same warning in that day as he does for us today. There are still false prophets and false teachers out there. And so we have to be careful. We always have to go back to God's word. He says, you can recognize them. He says, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. And give a great illustration. He says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. 
Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Again, he's talking about false teachers and false prophets here. And again, the test of time is one of those things. And then watching their lives, how does that match up? Does it match up with what God's teaching is, what God's word is? Or are they picking and choosing, right? Or ignoring parts of it? I always say one of the clear ways is go right to the basics, right? The, the gospel. Do they have the gospel down or have they changed it? They've added to it or they've taken away from it, then that's not truth. They're a false prophet. Again, you can have some differences in interpretation of end times and that, that, that certainly doesn't credit you or discredit you. But the basis of the gospel and the main part of God's word, that needs to be solid and true. And so that's just one of the ways. And then watching them over time, does their walk line up with what they say? It's a strong warning here. Again, he gives another example because it was very prevalent in that day, and obviously it's, it's the same for today. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell, you them, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Evil so I would stress that, that relationship, right? That relationship with God, that constant in touch with him, that constant going back to him, right? To make sure our motives are right, right? Why are we doing what we do? And again, just because we see things on the outside doesn't always match what's going on in the inside. And so it's a warning for us as believers, but also as, as we look at others, we, we don't always can tell unless we spend time with them, but also we don't know what's going on in the heart. And just because we see some things, it doesn't always mean that that's verification, right? Just because they did a miracle or they said some things from the Lord that sounded good, did it test the time? Did it line up with God's word? You know? I always say the, other, the last and the, the most important part is we can't hearts, right? I can't see into each and every person's heart. It's above my pay grade. Only you know what your heart is between you and the Lord. That can be unsettling and it can also be comforting all in the same, depending on where you're at with that. As promised this morning, we're running through. Here's another one of those um, illustrations that's put in here for us as well. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Hmm. Everyone that hears these words and puts them into practice. You men that were here yesterday morning, right? We talked about that, right? In James, James is very clear about that, right? Don't only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, right? And that includes all of God's word. Also includes all that he's been talking about, right? How we pray, how we fast, how we forgive, how we act towards outsiders, how our lives, how do we live, how we help each other. It's all part of that, right? 
But if we only just listen to God's word or we only read it for ourselves and it never manifests itself in our lives, then really what good is it? Right? PJ illustrated, even, our, even as a church body, we come together, we bring different gifts and there's, there's different parts of our, even our worship service. The music, the prayer, missions, God's word, even just coming together as a body. Right? Each of us bring our gifts together. And those things are to be used, right, put into practice. And then he gives the illustration here. He says, it's like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it's had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. All right, with all parables and illustration, what does the rock represent? Wow, you guys are good. You guys are good. All right? Jesus, right? That's where we build everything off from, our relationship with him. We also use his God, God's word, right? That's the, the other part of that foundation. Again, they're, they're intertwined. They're together, right? And the stronger that relationship is, the, the more you can withstand. Notice, too, that the storm comes, comes to both, right? It's a great reminder, right? It, just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're not going to have storms or troubles or you're not going to come up against tough stuff, right? They blew, the rain came on both of them. But because of the foundation, because of what you believe, because of what you put into place, that's what stands the test of time. That's what holds up and does not crash. Again, there's another whole message in that one as well, I, feel like I'm rushing through this morning, but verse 28, as he concludes this message, and again, this has been a long message that he's given, and over several, several hours as he's been speaking to these crowds, he says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as their teachers of the law. So one place here that we see the contrast, Right? Remember, at that time, the Jewish believers, they, they had the temple was in place. They had Pharisees and Sadducees and the, the leaders of the law. They were the ones that were responsible for teaching the people. But Jesus was different. What do you think one of the differences of Jesus was versus the, the leaders? It's not a rhetorical question. I was waiting for an answer. So. Right? What do you think? What, what do you think was the difference? Well, they both follow the law, actually. They both, both had the law, right? Jesus never contradicted the law. Jesus taught the law as well. So they both were teaching the law. So what they were teaching was the same, but what was different? What's that? Love and compassion, right? About relationship, right? Let's talk about the motivation, right? The motivations were different. The leader's motivation for teaching the law was to, to get people to, 
to be guilty, to see their sins, or to entrap them. It was a form of control, really, if we get down to it. But Jesus taught, as always, teaching to everyone, right? He, he included everyone in that, his teaching. Whether it was the Pharisees, his disciples, the person who just happened to be listening and come alongside, those who were looking for healing, right? Jesus, like I said, he teaches on multiple levels, but he taught to everyone. Very practical, very un- easy understanding, but his motivation was much different. Right? And so he contrasts that. Jesus referenced that here, right? As far as it's not the same, right? It's not just about the law. It's about compassion, about the relationship. It's about the heart. So this morning, hopefully this has been piqued your interest or at least something's tripped your mind a little bit and said, you know what, I, I want to study that out a little bit more. I'm not quite sure... Um, if I understand that. So I'm hoping that this week you'll go back and take a look at it. May it be an encouragement to you. May it be, maybe it's a, a, a warning to you. But either way, I want to encourage you to, to look at God's word again as we're preparing for what's to come. A celebration of the resurrection, right? That narrow gate that only goes through Jesus Christ. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we look at your word this morning and we sing and praise you and Lord, all that we do, Lord, Lord, may it be honoring to you. Lord, we thank you for your word that encourages us and rebukes us and strengthens us and instructs us. Lord, may we not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Opportunities even this week coming up that we... Lord, may you give us opportunities even this week coming up that we can put these words into practice. And Lord, if we have planks in our eyes, that you will remove them so that we can clearly help our brothers and sisters with the specs. Lord, continue to watch over our hearts, continue to soften us to your word and your calling and your leading. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone could go out and let the kids know. Uh, you already did it? Man, you're good. Thank you, Amanda. I appreciate that. Um, we're going to take communion this morning. Um, as we like to do that. And again, it's, it's a great lead-in as well as we're getting prepared for the upcoming season. But if you're visiting with us here this morning, our communion table is open. It's open to all. It's not a, a members only. Uh, we just ask that you do it correctly. And we, as a church body here, we do it corporately together. And it comes with this warning. If I could have my couple of elders as well start working their way up. But uh, it says, so when whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord, does everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup? For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so one of the things that we like to do here at Point Away is just take a few moments just between you and God, just bow your head right where you're sitting, close your eyes, and just between you and God, uh, make sure things are right and that you're recognizing the body and blood of the Lord.
and ask Tony if he'll give thanks for the cup and the bread that we're about to receive. Father God, we thank you for the time we've had this morning to fellowship, to worship, to learn from your word. We pray as we take the bread and the cup that you would help us to remember what you did for us, that sacrifice you gave for us, that gift that's free to all who are willing to accept it. Father, we pray that you would just help us to remember that throughout this holy season, throughout our lives. We ask that you bless us on now Amen. those apart and, and we'll receive the bread first. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is, my, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Goes on to say, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. One of the great honors that we get to do that as a church family, come together and remember um, the gospel and remember what Christ did for us and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. It's also a reminder that there are still cups left here, and so there are still folks out there that still do not know Jesus Christ. And be praying about who you may give 
and share that good news to. Because again, the gospel is for all. He died for all of us, and so it's a good reminder. I'm going to ask Linda and Rebecca to come up and lead us in a closing song. So. <laughs>